0: And uh, good to see everybody here. Uh, Welcome to our time together. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I'd love to do that. Uh, My name is Randy, and uh, I'm so glad that you joined us today uh, for the second in a series called Weaponized. And we began last week, we talked about how that we've been given the armor of God to protect us from the attacks of the evil one. And as I was uh, kind of reviewing back and thinking about the message, I began to be concerned that someone might misunderstand the concept of of a Christian soldier. Uh, You know, we live in a crazy world today uh, where culture has uh, changed a lot of our meanings, a lot of our focuses, so uh, I don't want you to understand that. Uh, I know today that there is talk, or has been talk, of weaponized Christianity and even Christian nationalism, which at its strictest form I don't believe is Christianity at all. And while we want to win this world to Christ, it's not gonna be the way of this world. We're not gonna win it like that. We're gonna win the world by love. This kingdom, Jesus said, is not of this world. So it's a whole different thing. Uh, We're not forcing Christianity on anybody, but instead we will try to win people by the love of Jesus Christ. And the church, and every Christian in the church, I believe, is, is responsible to answer the call. So we've been given a mission, and all of us are kind of the part of God's army. And the idea that we've been discussing here for a couple of weeks, is that our lives are meant to be an assault force for good, that God has called us up, that God has equipped us. We talked about that last week, that we have been given the armor of God, and that now we're going to go into battle. And so today we're going to be talking about how to prepare ourselves and and then step up to make the difference in our world that God's called us to make, because He has prepared us not only with an a general uh, armor of God, but even more specifically, equipment that we've been given to use for His glory. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Now, if you know much about the Bible, you know that there is an Old Testament, there's a New Testament. And in the Old Testament, there was a man named David, and we refer to him quite, uh, quite often. Uh, David was the king of Israel. He was a great uh, military leader. He was a great political leader, a great warrior. So he kind of got the idea of being a soldier for God. And uh, he was called to be the king of Israel at a very specific time. And when he was king, uh, Israel rose to its greatest height. So he was a great and powerful leader. And there's two interesting things said about the life of David. First of all, God said that David is a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. It's in Acts 13. And then uh, a little bit later in the same chapter, uh, it says this, that David served God's purposes in his generation. I mean, what an incredible uh, statement, a couple of statements to say about a man named David that we know is a young boy, killed a giant, uh, was a shepherd boy, so many great things. But God assessed his life, and God said these two things about him, that he was a man after his own heart, and then that he served God's purposes in his lifetime. And if you know the life of David, you know that David was far from a perfect man. Uh, there was a point in his life when he really went off the rails. He ended up committing adultery with another man's wife. He ended up getting that man killed to try to cover it up. And, and his family was a disaster. But, but still, David served God's purpose in his lifetime. Wouldn't it be great at the end of our lives to be able to be assessed and say that we serve God's purposes for our lifetime and that we were a person after God's own heart? That would be a great accomplishment. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't know what God's purpose is for their life and what God's plan is for their life. A lot of people never discover that. Some people never think about it. But once you become a Christian, as you begin to grow in your faith, you begin to think, what, why did God put me here? What is my purpose in life? What does God want me to do? Does He have a plan for me? And if you don't ever find that plan, I think it's, um, it's a light, like never knowing your place in a family, that you just kind of wander and you're not comfortable. You're not at peace. You, you don't find joy and fulfillment. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and we don't want to be left empty, longing, and unfulfilled by not knowing our purpose. So the good question is, how do you find and then follow God's call for your life? How do you discover what God wants you to do? And I think that begins by looking at the gifts that God has given to each of us, that God has made us and given us gifts. You do know that you are one of a kind. You're one of a kind. Now, some of you would say that's probably a good thing that the world probably couldn't handle more than one of you, right? And uh, I would say that about some of you, I know personally. Uh, So you're one of a kind, right? Nobody else has your DNA. Nobody else has your fingerprints. Nobody else has your unique makeup. God has designed you uniquely for a purpose in life and given you very specific gifts to accomplish that purpose. Now, when we think about gifts, uh, we oftentimes think about talents. Uh, we'll say they have a gift for something because their, their gifting is obvious. They have uh, ability to do music or to, to art, or uh, it might be to um, uh, some sport or dancing, or whatever it may be. Now, most of us look at people like that who are gifted uh, with talents, and we say, wow, I, I wish I had those kind of gifts. I, I don't have any gifts. I don't have anything I'm I'm good at. You know, I I told you I tried a few years ago at, at music. I just, I wasn't good at that. I'm not gifted at that. I can't hear that. I appreciate music, but I can't produce it myself. And most of us admire people who have talents, but we don't think that we have any talents ourselves. Let me just say this, the Bible does acknowledge that people have natural talents. Going back to David again, David was a songwriter and he was a singer and a musician. He was very good at that. But you know, the Bible doesn't really focus so much on our talents as it does on the gifts that we have. And so there is a difference in natural talents and the gifts that we're going to be talking about today. The idea behind gifts is that a gift is not natural. It is not natural. I mean, the, the very essence of a gift is that somebody gives you something, the definition, something you didn't have. You didn't have it, and then you received it, and then you were able to use it or enjoy it or appreciate it. So, somebody gave this gift to you. To start with, uh, we have been given some great gifts. If you are a child of God, if you have given your life to Christ and you have been baptized, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks of that in Acts chapter 2. It says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible is clear that at our baptism, two things happen. Two very special gifts are given to us. Number one, we're given forgiveness of our sins, which is a gift. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of of, of Christ is eternal life. So we don't have forgiveness of our sins before we give our life to Christ. But at our baptism, we receive that our sins are washed away. And then secondly, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that we do not have previously before that, else it would not be a gift, right? So we receive these two very special gifts, forgiveness and the indwelling gift of, and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And so when that happens in our life, the Holy Spirit gives you not only uh, His presence, but also at least one spiritual gift that then is to be used for what God is doing in our world and what God wants to do through you. So a little bit confusing. There's the gift of the Holy Spirit, which every Christian receives. And then there are unique spiritual gifts that are to be used to point people to Jesus and also to use to encourage other believers. The idea of spiritual gifts is kind of complicated for us sometimes. And it's very confusing for, for a lot of us. So what is a spiritual gift? A simple definition. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability to develop a specific capability. A supernatural gift, excuse me, a spiritual gift, a supernatural ability to develop a specific capability. Two things. It's supernatural because it's given by God, not just a normal gift, and also it's a practical skill. So it's something that's used for unchurched people and other believers as well. And how we use it is based on our understanding and our willingness to serve. Now, let's try to clear it up clarify. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then in Romans 12 it adds, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So, the Bible speaks of these spiritual gifts that are supernatural, given to us through the Spirit, but then they're also, they play out in a practical way. What are some of the gifts? The Bible lists several. Administration, teaching, giving, hospitality, wisdom, discernment, encouragement, mercy, helping, serving, leadership, sharing your faith, and the list goes on and on. There are several gifts that are listed there. And all of these are practical skills. I mean, the church needs all of these, right? It needs administration. It needs teaching, giving, discernment, encouragement, leadership. All those gifts are given to us by God for the good of the church to build up the body of Christ. And they all are needed, no matter… some are more obvious, more public, obviously. Some are not, but all of them are essential. And many of them are skills or are gifts that are given to complement our natural talents. For example, Dan has a natural gift of worship, uh, of music, but his heart is for worship. And so he uses that gift in a way to lead us into worship. It's simple like, like that. Sometimes it's a um, Uh, personality trait that we already have, but other times it's a whole new area of interest or giftedness that a person maybe never thought about. You discover that you have an interest in things that you never had even given any thought to, but God kind of brings it around to say, no, this is something you would be good at. And all these gifts are given for the glory of God and are to be used for him, not for ourselves. So anytime you're giving a gift, you need to accept it humbly and use it in humility for the glory of God. Now, a lot of believers don't think that they have a spiritual gift or they don't use the gift that they have. So I've got an assignment for you today. I want you to go online. I'm sure everybody has access online. uh, There's a really cool website called whatismyspiritualgift.com. I mean, that's pretty simple. No no breaks in there. Whatismyspiritualgift.com. And it's a, it's a quick and easy and free uh, site to go to. And you'll discover, it's a pretty good way to discover what your spiritual gifts are. Whatismyspiritualgift.com. And you'll just answer a series of questions there. And the end of that, you'll be able to identify some gifts that you've been given. And then once you discover your gift, now you need to learn to commit to and uh, to answer the calling to put that gift to work for God. So you'll discover, you'll, you'll find that it's pretty practical. It's pretty interesting if you do that. Now, once you discover that, there are a couple of places or areas where God may call you to put your gift to work for Him. And one of them is your vocation, your vocation or your work. You know, the word vocation uh, means more than just a job. Uh, in fact, we don't even use that word a lot, vocation, But if you use it, it's more deeper meaning than just what you do for a living. The word means more like a calling from God. God has a vocation for you, a calling for God. The idea is that God has invited you to use your gifts that he's given you to invest your life in a specific area of work for him. I mean, not just for a paycheck, but more like an offering for your life or worship your life is worship. We talked a, a few weeks ago about using everything we do is for the glory of God. So whatever you do, your calling or your, your vocation is to be used as a worship to God, as unto the Lord, and also thinking about the mission of God. Now, I, I've talked to you a couple of weeks uh, for a couple of times, and I want to just repeat this. I think this is one place that the church has kind of missed out on the idea of serving God. Because we have this idea that God's put us on the earth so that we can do what we want to do and that we can, you know, just work where we want to work and do whatever we want to do. And that's not what God has put us. He's put us here for his glory. And and along with that, we even think about that when we think about careers and for our kids. Many parents want their kids to go to college and get a job and never consider what God might want them to do. And so in our parenting series, we talked about that you need to be sensitive to what God may be. Uh, how how he's gifted your child, and how he want, might want that child to grow and develop. And I believe the church as a whole needs to encourage young people to consider ministry as a career option. Because there is, and I believe there will continue to be a shortage of, of people who will step up in the next generation uh, to consider ministry as a, as an option. And I think there will be a shortage among churches for ministers and youth ministers and worship ministers and children's ministers and other kind of ministers, and also missionaries to take the gospel around the world. So to challenge your child to think about that would be an amazing thing. And I've talked to our staff a little bit. How can we introduce this idea early to our children and and then cast a a vision for our teens for ministry? But you know what? It's not just about young people either. Uh, You might think, well, I'm not young anymore, so uh, I kind of missed my chance. And that isn't true at all. Because it's kind of interesting that down through the years, we've had several people who are adults who have felt the calling of God to leave their um, career or their job and to discover and follow a vocation for God, Uh, maybe leave a secular job, go into full-time ministry as God has impressed it on their hearts. And I got to use my buddy Tony as an example of that. I remember several years ago, Tony came to me, he had been an architect in an architectural firm for like 25 years, and, and, uh, and he said, I just feel like God's want me to do something different, uh, which was a big career move for him. And we talked about that and seeing that over a course of years to the point that no doubt Tony is on our staff, uh, which I could not envision happening at the time, but, but that's what, how God worked it out. So sometimes it can be pretty dramatic, you know, just shift of your life. Uh, another example uh, is uh, Judge Sowers. I think Judge's back there somewhere. Uh, several months ago, uh, the Assurance Crisis Pregnancy Center uh, came here, stood on this stage, talked about uh, their work in ministry and the need for a person to counsel men who came in with pregnant uh, partners. And, uh, and, you know, how, does, uh, how, how do you minister to the men? And John fell a stirring in his heart for that. And so he followed up on that and, and today worked, uh, works with that. A bug is a good example here, uh, left the secular field to go into ministry with FCA. So the, you don't have to be a young person, don't think your time has passed in order for God to be able to use you, redirect your life in a vocation that fits your giftedness and your calling. So if you don't, if you feel like your vocation may not parallel uh, your giftedness or where you're fulfilling a purpose that where you're at, begin to pray and ask God to give you opportunities to do that. And sometimes and oftentimes that begins with volunteer, you know, just kind of like testing the waters. What is this like here and there? And I'll talk more about that in just a few moments in our passion. But, but God gives you the gift, God gives you the gifting, which tells you what to do. And then God kind of follows that up with a passion that tells you where to do it. So you kind of know your, your, your giftedness once you've discovered that. You think about your interest, and then you think about what is the need that creates a necessity for me, what creates excitement in my life? What do what, uh, you know, what what, what I get intense about? What do I get enthusiastic about in my life? Something that interests you, something that you think about, uh, something that disturbs you, something that bothers you, that, that something is missing, something that drives you. Passion is what steers people and then propels you into action. You know, one of my son-in-laws, as a flight nurse, and, uh, and that came very, his passion for that became uh, very early in his life. Both his parents were EMTs, and uh, probably before he should have been, he was riding with them in the ambulance. And, and uh, in the home, they lived and breathed the, the life conversations. The radio was on, I'm sure, all the time. Friends uh, were uh, uh, medical uh, personnel as well. But when he was old enough to decide what he wanted to do with his life, um, he, he began to think about what really excited him. And it was when the helicopters would come into an emergency scene, and they would swoop in and carry off the most seriously injured uh, patients and take them to, uh, uh, to the hospital. He was hooked. And he decided, I want to be a flight nurse. And so he studied hard in high school. He made straight A's in college. Uh, we're proud of him. Uh, and uh, he got, uh, spent two years in emergency medicine to get his ability so he could fly. And then he moved back to the area he had grown up in to work for the flight company that as a young child, he would see coming in to rescue patients. And he has a passion for that. He loves that. It's just really, I think it's exciting when he's talking about an accident or an emergency and how serious it is. And I'm thinking, people got hurt there. And he said, yeah, but it was a great scene. You know, so it, that, this passion steers up in him. And it's very obvious his passion is for his job. Now I believe God moves people in a similar way when it comes to needs, and they have a passion to use your gifts. Uh, we have a friend here who works actually at the church. She works for the Christian school. Her name's Tiffany Evans. You'll probably see her if you come in during the week in the front office. Uh, Tiffany went to uh, Haiti in 2015. and uh, she saw the children like, like everyone who goes to Haiti does and touched their heart. But it touched her in a different way because she came back and decide to do something about it. So she and a friend that, that had gone together, they began this ministry um, that, uh, that ministers to the children, the orphans there. And, uh, and the name of it's called Love Big. Really simple, Love Big. And so for several years, they've been supporting um, an orphanage there. Just in the last couple of months, they were asked to take on a second orphanage, uh, so uh, Tiffany hasn't had training. She's not a missionary, uh, what we would think of a missionary. But suddenly they have, with all everything going on in Haiti, they have two orphanages that they're trying to support. And so they've been doing a lot of this on their own and friends. But just a couple, a week or so ago, they opened up a thrift store, somewhat based on our store, Journey Provisions. They opened the thrift store up in Lawrenceburg called Love Big Closet. You might want to stop by there. I'll give a plug for her and the proceeds will go to the children in Haiti. I mean, that's making it work. That's taking passion, giftedness, interest, ability, opportunity, and working for God. And And if you stop and think, I would bet that certain passions come to your mind, things that you think should be done differently or corrected, like the poor, the homeless, human trafficking, maybe other justice issues out there, music, Uh, that you have interest in, the arts, education, teaching, training, special needs, whatever, the list is endless because there's needs everywhere around the world. So as you think about your giftedness and you think about your passion, and then you think about maybe career paths that might intersect them, you can begin to see where God might be directing you and calling you to go. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people miss out on using their gifts because they don't consider the idea of God's calling on their life. They don't think about, well, God has a plan and purpose for me. I might miss. You know, maybe they're influenced by a counselor in school, a young person, or maybe by parents, well-meaning parents, well-meaning friends to choose a career path that doesn't match their passion or their giftedness. And they go out and get a degree, and then they're unhappy the rest of their life and what they're doing. And It takes a lot to change that, but courageous people try to do that. Or maybe people look only at what's going to make the most money or what looks like fun, what looks like might be an easy thing to do, but God has a calling on your life and you'll be most blessed when you discover that. Another way I think that we miss out on God's plan for our life is to be in a vocation that you have, that you're gifted at. Maybe it's not a ministerial position. You are fulfilled in that, but you don't see it as a calling. Remember, a vocation is a calling that wherever you are in life, God can use you there. We have a tendency sometimes to compartmentalize things. You know, we have a work life, and then we have a spiritual life. And God wants us not to compartmentalize those things, but to have our spiritual life and our work life and our family life, everything the same. And all those are intermingled. Maybe you don't see your job as an act of worship. Remember the verse that says, do everything as unto the Lord. Or maybe you don't let the two uh, parts of your life come together, or you don't see your work as a mission field. You don't have to be in a ministry position to be a minister. And in fact, you might be more effective than a minister would be. If I were to walk into your workplace, nobody knows me. And if you say I'm your minister, there's a wall that just went up, right? Right. So you are a minister or a servant wherever you are, you need to be used there in that place. God wants to use you where he has put you or maybe where you've chose to be. Our calling is not something or somewhere. Our calling is to God. It's someone. And so we ought to serve him wherever we are. Whatever we do, it's to be an act of worship. Colossians 3 Whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So you may say, well, I don't like my job. Well, you know, maybe that's motivation to get another job. But wherever you are, God can use you where you are. And if you begin to see your job as a ministry, it would probably change your heart and your attitude as well. Do it for the Lord and do it in a Christlike way. You know, the secular world can be really harsh and cruel, and you can go in with good intentions, but sometimes you can get derailed, and you can end up becoming like everybody else and adapting to their world and their culture instead of changing the culture around you. So don't compartmentalize your job and your faith, but instead let your faith and your giftedness change the culture that's all around you. You know, wherever God's put you in life— God's gonna use you there, even if it seems unlikely. A lot of you know uh, a, a man named Tyson Cummins. Tyson was in our church uh, for a while, led our adult uh, class, just a super guy. And uh, the, the COVID kind of changed some things as everybody kind of st- uh, stayed home for a while, and we know about that. But uh, as COVID began to ease, uh, Tyson began to see God may have a different plan and calling for his life. And uh, he is a very strong believer. He works in a very political office that has very little sp- uh, spiritual influence. He says it's kind of a dark place. Now, Tyson could have changed his life to be like the people at work, or he could have uh, left his faith at home, compartmentalized that, just go to work and go home. But instead, he has chosen to make his office a spiritual oasis. And uh, you'll see that if you go in it. He has his Bible right there on his desk, of course. Uh, but he also has Christian's books that he loans out to people. It's a little library. If you could go in there and choose a book, whatever you might want. He has a huge candy jar um, that people come in to raid, and then they end up in conversations with him. And he's also available for his coworkers to talk and to share their struggles. And then he sends out a daily devotion to anybody who asks him or gives him their email. And to top things off, he asks his boss at work in this political place. And he was allowed to host a Sunday morning Bible study, church service, that's why he's not here, but he's chosen uh, to, serve, to, to host that in the conference room at work. Imagine having the courage to decide to do that and getting permission to do that. So on Sunday morning, he hosts a Bible study for his coworker and anybody that wants to go, and I know some of our folks have come, gone and visited him there, and it's really cool. He's taken his giftedness and his passion into his vocation in a dark place that's what I'm talking about. That's courageous. That's creative as well. So our vocation is one place that we can use our spiritual gifts. Another place that we can use our spiritual gifts is in the church itself. And uh, actually in the church is the primary place that we can use our gifts. And there's some of the gifts that can only be used in the area of the church itself. See, the church is the body of Christ. And each of us are members of the body. then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So with each gift you have, there is a way to to show that. And each gift is important. There are people who are awesome encouragers. Just write me a note every now and then and say thank you and be encouraged. That means a lot. It's worth more than you think it is. If that's your gift, do that encouragement uh, give it, give it strong, give it uh, give it to people that you think might might need it. Ephesians four goes on to say he Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own work, it helps the other parts grow, so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. so God 's designed the church to help itself and to monitor and encourage and grow and build itself up because the church is the ongoing presence of Jesus on the earth. Jesus planned the church. He established the church uh, and uh, and he designed it to stand until he comes back again. And the church is made up of people like you and I, simple people who have been gifted to grow the church and and build up the church. And in fact, if we all did our part, there would never be a need, anything missing in the, the body life of the church. The Bible says the church is the light of the world. And we're the salt of the earth, which is to flavor the earth and point people to Jesus and try to help keep them focused on their spiritual walk. I really like the idea of light. I like that analogy. You see, lights at its best when it's in a dark place. If you have your headlights on in in the sunshine, it's not going to make they're not going to make much difference, right? But if it's dark, really dark at night, and you turn your lights on, it changes everything. And light, if light is diffused, it doesn't make a lot of difference. But when light is focused, you know this, and directed through a magnifying glass, you can set things on fire with it, just a little bit of light. And then if you focus light even more, you can have a laser that can cut through metal. It's just light that's been focused. That's how the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be laser focused on the mission and the call of Christ. And whenever we use our gifts and our passions in the church, it becomes really powerful. Jesus said this, I will build my church And the powers of hell will not conquer it. Even the powers of hell, we said said this last week, I believe, that's how strong the church is to be. And the way the church can be that strong is if everybody uses their giftedness for the glory of God and for his purposes. In fact, I'm convinced that if every Christian were to discover and use their spiritual gifts within the church for the glory of God, then there would probably not be any limit to what could be accomplished. I mean, literally, all the world's problems and needs would be solved. All of the church's requests would be given. God has designed us, but the problem is, in one, even if one person doesn't use the gift that God's given them, there's a, there's a void. There's something missing. And imagine how much could be done as we all give together. And you know what? There's nothing more worthy of our time and attention than the church. And, and there's no place that we can use our gifts more and see greater effect than in the church, because the church's potential is unlimited. But it also has to have all the people and all the gifts that have been given in order for us to accomplish the mission. So my challenge to you today, from last week, understand that you have been equipped and empowered and given the armor of God. But today, understand that it's more than just something uh, you know, that you think about. It's something that you do. It's, let's put some action. Next week, we're going to talk about more action as well. But I want to challenge you to think about the fact that God has called you into his army, and he has equipped you, prepared you for the battle. And He's given you a lot of resources to do that, something very unique to you and his Holy Spirit to make that happen. So my challenge to you today is, are you using the gift that God's given you? Are you thinking about, have you done any research? Go home, take the spiritual gift survey, discover what your gift is, think about what your passions are. I'd love to hear some great stories of how God is moving and stirring you for his glory and to change his world. And this morning, if you're not a a, a child of God, if you haven't given your life to him, if you haven't joined the army yet, um, this is what God wants for you and his call for you. And I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. I'm going to be up front. I'm going to ask Tony to step up as well. And uh, we want to offer time and space for you. uh, If you need someone to pray with you, if you want to talk about your next step on your journey, if you want to just come up and just thank God for the call, the invite in your life, uh, we want to give you a place and time to do that as well. Right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Heavenly Father, it's amazing to think that you would know each of us individually, and God, that you created us in your image, but unique and special, and that, God, your calling on our life is one that we need to seek out and find, and Lord, then once we've found that calling, that, God, we need to to pursue your call for us individually, And, and Father, match that with the passion that you've given us and what moves us and what we're good at, and, Lord, then we would discover the joy that comes from, being, uh, from uh, being a part of your army and walking hand in hand with you. Lord, that's my prayer for each person here, that we would never think that we missed uh, opportunities to call, that, that it's too late f- to find our calling, uh, but that, God, we would, we would seek you and follow you with all that we have. And, God, you would use us in mighty ways. Lord, we love you, we worship you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.